Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live 10-week program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique. And I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 10th, you'll be getting a physical abundance box. Plus, you're going to get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program. If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me. And you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, You will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there. See what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun that feeling, the feeling of fear is only telling you that it is time to grow, that something actually good, positive can come out of discomfort. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek that is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. 
Thanks to Fiverr for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services like graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. Get 10% off by going to fiverr.com and use code DREAMJOB. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Yesterday I posted this on Instagram and I thought it made sense for today's episode. And then I realized that to be more alive, I had to be less afraid. So I did it. I lost my fear and gained my whole life. You know, it's true. Everything good I've experienced has come from showing up even when I'm scared. And the ways in which my world has expanded as a result of facing the fear is beyond what I ever thought would be. I still have some shadows and broken parts, and I still continue into the battlefield. But it's always easier than I think it's going to be, and the dragons quickly disappear. And I think for each of us, there's always a place where the fear shows up and keeps us from greater levels of joy. And usually we... We have fear because it's protecting us. We don't want to get our heart broken. We don't want to fail. But what might happen if we fully stepped into our light and into the field of possibility? Maybe everything would flow. Maybe there would be this ease and the greatest blessings would show up. And when I think of the biggest rewards in this world, from the deepest relationships to the greatest successes, the cost of admission seems to be courage. So let's go. And by the way, that's why I'm where I am right now. You actually might hear some waves crashing or some difference in the sound because I'm sitting right now on my balcony. I just arrived for a full week of meditation with Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I'm here to do this yet again, to keep going into a greater field of my potential and to let go of more and more of the old stuff that's not serving me. I am really excited and a little bit nervous. I will definitely keep you guys posted on how this goes. Dr. Joe is really, truly so brilliant. And essentially he's teaching all of us how to fire and wire new thoughts in our mind. And he's just so incredible. He's done all of this neuroscience research and he's been able to see that essentially most people are living groundhog day every day. Most of us, because we have about 70,000 thoughts a day and 90% of those thoughts are repetitive And most of those thoughts have to do with the past. So we worry about things, we stress about things, and then we memorize certain emotions. And so Dr. Joe has just seen incredible transformation where people make a choice about what emotion they want to memorize. Do you want to, do you want to memorize feeling great? Do you want to memorize feeling free? Do you want to memorize feeling connected? Do you want to memorize feeling abundant or really connected to the divine energy, whatever it is, it's like we then start to think new thoughts, which start to create new emotions. And then we can really start to set new neural pathways. And it really not only changes the way that we feel, but it changes the way that we physically feel because the body can only handle a certain amount of stress. You know, thoughts create different stress chemicals and hormones. And so I'm really excited to be here. I'm so grateful to my friends, Heidi Stevens and Heather Chauvin for telling me about the event. The event sold out in like three minutes. Um, It's also really special because today is my husband's birthday and it just so happens that of all the days of the year, the event starts today. So I'm excited for him. And I'm also a little overwhelmed because these are really intense, long days. I think that we, we don't really actually get the schedule. They tell us sort of day by day, but I'm told that it's 12 to 14 hour days and you really show up to do the work. So I will definitely keep you posted and, um, yeah, I'm ready to release the unnecessary suffering. I've said it before. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. 
And so much of what we do is we just continue to project old stories on our current reality. And I can just see how everything is like right here within reach. But we basically create our reality um, based upon what we see as possible. And what we see as possible has so much to do with what we think and what we feel. And so a lot of times we're expecting a new reality, but we're not going to have a new reality because we are the same people waking up every day with the same thoughts and the same feelings, therefore then taking the same actions. And if you start to change the way you think, you change the way you feel. And if you change the way you feel, you might change what you see as possible and how you broadcast a different sort of resonance in the world. And then different things come back. And so I'm going to keep you posted. I'm, I'm here for the journey. But in the meantime, just wanted to remind you that we do have our incredible Arrive community. This is the membership that I created that is month to month. So if you want to spend more time with me, every month I'm in there doing some coaching. We bring in guest experts. We have our next session, November 11th with Jill Stanton. You have time to ask the experts questions. And then we do homework every month where we give you a booklet. And as a community, we work towards our goals. So if you want to join us, you can go to kathyheller.com slash Arrive community. I'd love to see you in there. And since Halloween was this past weekend, I thought it would be appropriate to share this conversation with our special guest, Michelle Poehler. Michelle is the founder of Hello Fear. She's also a creative social entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, fear facer, and branding strategist. Hello Fears is a social movement that has reached over 70 million people worldwide and has empowered thousands to step outside of their comfort zone and tap into their full potential. It's been featured on the Today Show, Forbes, CBS, CNN, Huffington Post, Telemundo, and many more. And this year, it became a book. It's called Hello Fears, Crush Your Comfort Zone and Become Who You're Meant to Be. And it's an honest, empowering guide to living alongside what scares you. I think you guys are going to love Michelle's book. It's chock full of prompts and exercises to get you out of your comfort zone and embrace your fears so you can make your way towards real growth. Michelle is such a delight and she has great advice on how to approach the fears that are keeping you stuck. Plus, she also shares a lot of great branding tips that you're going to want to note down. So without further ado, please welcome the amazing Michelle Poehler. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here too, because I got your book and it's awesome. I love the fact that you zero right in on the biggest stuff that's in all of our way, which is fear. (laughs) And um, it's amazing what you built. I want to talk a little bit about your story and then I want to get into your book and how to deal with that culprit, which is the fear that keeps us stuck. So first, just tell us a little bit about you and your story Sure. So I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I moved to the U.S. for college. And I came here to study graphic design. I graduated. I got married at 23 Mm -hmm. with the love of my life. And I started living a very comfortable life at 23 years old. I was like, okay, I already have my husband. I already found a good job in advertising. I have a nice apartment in a really nice building. So I was like, it feels there's something wrong. There's something wrong with too much comfort around me. That's the feeling I was getting. So I started going to therapy at that time because I was like, is it supposed to be like this? Is this like ultimate happiness? I mean, I was checking boxes, right? Society's boxes, like 
graduate, get married, do all the right things. And I was doing all of those. And I was like, I don't know what's left to have kids, to buy a home, to have grandkids and die. Is that it? Because I don't know what other challenges I have in my life going on right now. So when I went to therapy, I realized that I had this huge dream that I never paid attention. I never actually made a reality, which was to move to New York. And I was so comfortable living my life as a married person in Miami, you know, with a good job that I forgot about it. And I knew it was the right time for me to go back to that dream and do something about it. So I found out about a master's in branding in New York at the School of Visual Arts. And I asked my husband if he would come with me, if we we could move to New York, if I make it into the program. The thing is that only 25 people make it into that program out of thousands that apply a year. And he said, if you get in, we'll move to New York. And I made it my life mission to get into that program. It was my one ticket to go to New York, make my dream a reality and explore what that city was all about. And so I did everything I could, everything in my power to get into the program. And I did. So in 2014, we moved to New York and that is when everything changed. I started going to that master's program. I started um, exploring New York and I realized that I was not able to live my life to the fullest because I've been always inside of my comfort zone. Even though I was fulfilling my dream of living in New York, I was still trying to stay inside of my comfort zone. Uh I was way too afraid of the world and I've always been. So one day as I was doing the master's in branding, the professor challenged us to start a 100 day project of our choice. We had to choose one thing to do repeatedly for 100 days in a row. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that it, it was my one opportunity to face 100 fears in 100 days. Like that project had the potential to change my entire life. So that is where my story actually started. (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. What a cool project. So tell us about this project, 100 Days Without Fear. So um, I started facing smaller fears still, things that were very scary for me, like trying oysters for the first time in my life or getting a Brazilian wax or holding a cat, things that I've avoided throughout my entire life. And then around day 40 of the project, because I was putting all of these videos on YouTube, that that was part of the assignment. We had to publish whatever we were going to do for 100 days. And so I was recording myself every single day and uploading a video online. Mm -hmm. And so around day 40, the project went viral all over the world. You know, Daily Mail in UK, they picked it up. Wow. They posted online and then a few hours later, every single website was posting the same videos and my story and the project. And then I was getting calls from CNN and BuzzFeed and Forbes and all of them started just wanting, they wanted to interview me. They wanted to face fears with me. And Wow, I love yeah. it. It blew up. I ended up quitting my job a week after that because as I was doing my master's in branding, I was also uh, working full-time in advertising. And so it was like too much doing that plus facing the fears. So I ended up quitting my job. 
and just finishing the whole project. And then the last fear, number 100, I want it to be something more impactful than just any physical fear. So up until that point, I already did skydiving. I held a tarantula. I posed nude for a drawing class. So I did all sorts of things during the 100-day project. And then by the end, I wanted to face my fear of public speaking, but I wanted to go big. So I decided to reach out to TEDx and they allowed me to speak in front of their audience. And that is what launched my career as a speaker. Oh my God. Wow. How many people were there your first time speaking? I think there were maybe around a hundred people, but it was being live stream and I had so many followers um, because I, when I started the project, I didn't have any followers at all. It was just me, my family, my friends following the project. And then by the end of it, I'd had thousands and thousands of followers uh, watching. And so they all tune in live to watch the TEDx. So I knew even wow. though I could only see 100 people there, I knew that there were thousands watching online, including my professors from the masters. Mm. It's amazing. It's so cool that you just started this project. And because you were willing to document it, all these people started to follow along and you started to gain attention and and it led you to a whole nother career. Amazing. And how did your relationship with fear change as you went through those 100 days? Well, in so many ways, but I think the main thing that changed is my perception of the feeling that you get when you're afraid. So during my entire life, I used to think that fear was a negative sign. It was like my body telling me not to do something. And so every time I experienced that, I took it as a sign. I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't do that. I just should stick to what I know. And so I always said no to so many opportunities because of that feeling, the feeling of fear. And after doing this project, what I realized is that feeling is only telling you that it is time to grow, that something actually good, positive can come out of discomfort. And so that's, I think, the main thing I was able to reframe in my mind when it comes to fear. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to get into that more as it relates to your book. But one thing I'm curious about is as you were building and putting things out in the world, a lot of people are curious, like, how do you build an audience? How did you start to get people to recognize it. A lot of people put things on videos on YouTube or things on Instagram, but not necessarily, you know, getting all those views and all that attention. How do you feel like you built that engagement and that brand? And and what are some tips you have for other people who might want to duplicate that? Wow, that's a really good question. And I think different factors, for example, first, I was not trying to go viral. So a lot of people start a project or an idea thinking, how can I go big? How can I get a lot of attention? And then they uh, try to identify the right idea. And I think the best way to do it is actually the other way around. First, you need an idea, a why, a purpose. And then if that is strong enough, then that has the potential to go viral and and get a lot of attention. So in my case, I had a real purpose, which was to become a braver person myself. I was tired of living in fear. I was thinking about becoming a mom in the next few years, and I wanted to be a brave mom, and I wanted to raise brave kids. So that was my purpose, my only purpose of doing that project. And then it's very genuine. You know, you're not really trying to just 
be on the media or, or get attention. And so by following that idea that I had, that purpose, that's what connected with people. Also, the other thing is I was not really trying to inspire people. I was just being terrified on camera every single day facing my fear. So another lesson I learned is that courage is contagious. So it is not about hiding your fears and pretending that you have everything under control or it's, and it's not about just motivating people to go out there and do things. It's about doing things yourself. It's about leading by example, mostly when it's hard because people can relate to that feeling, the feeling of being afraid, the feeling of being vulnerable, of doing things that are uncomfortable because you know we're all in that together. And when we see someone that is way too fearless, you know, that they have everything under control and they, in our eyes, are look very perfect, then we have a hard time connecting. So if you want to start a real brand and you want to connect with people, don't aim at perfection. Don't try to be perfect. Just try to be yourself, your vulnerable self. It's okay to, you know, admit your vulnerability. So that's one thing that I think I was doing right because a lot of people were recognizing that courage in me and connecting with that. And then the other thing is that I was a branding student. So I, I wanted my project to feel like a brand. I wanted to brand fear. And in the process, I realized that I ended up branding courage, not fear. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I created a few elements to the project. It was not just videos every single day on YouTube, like very well edited videos, because I like editing myself but it was also an emoji meter that I created. So every single day I would rate the level of fear that I had before, during, and after each one of the experiences. And I would answer three questions. So what was the fear? Why are you afraid of that? And how was the experience? So I was able to brand this whole project in a way that it was easy for people to follow along, relate, and share. Mm, I love it. And I feel like, That is so key. And a lot of people don't know what that means, building a brand. A lot of people don't understand how to actually execute that. And I wonder if you can talk about that because you've done it so well. And I also love that you said you were trying to brand fear and you run to branding courage. That's so cool. Um, But what would be some of the building blocks to building a brand? What I would tell people is you need to identify two things. We want your brand to be as authentic as possible. And authentic means something that only you can create because we are built with different skills and experiences and even traumas. Everything that we bring with us is so unique. So we have to be able to highlight that uh, in the best way possible. And a lot of people just focus on highlighting the positive. And like I was saying before, only positive, like it's getting way too close to perfection. That's not realistic and it's not relatable. So an authentic person highlights the good and the bad, everything together and embraces who they actually are. So two things you need to identify. The first one, your values. And I would say try to identify three or four core values and that can take a long time. So don't try to put too much pressure on yourself. So just be be mindful that you want to identify what are your core values. Mm -hmm. And that took me at least a year for me to figure it out. And now I know that my four core values are authenticity because I want to do things in a way that is different, that it stands out, that is very me. Um, courage, because everything I do has to have that component because that's, that's my main topic now. And it used to be comfort 
which is something I replace with courage. And the third one is transparency. So I don't have a lot of filters. I just say things as I think of them. Um, yeah. yeah, which has gotten me into a lot of trouble also, but you know, I'm willing to live with that because it's part of who I am. It's my brand. So courage, authenticity, transparency. And the last one is like good design. I care a lot about how things look because I'm a graphic designer and I can't avoid it. So those are my four core values. So what I mean with this is everything I do has to live with those four core values. So any post that I do has to be authentic. So I can't just go online and post any quote, you know, and repeat what anybody else is saying. That wouldn't be authentic of me. Then I can't not post something that scares me. So if I want to say something and it scares the hell out of me, that's exactly what I need to be posting because my brand is about courage, you know? And the other one is transparency. I can't hide things from my community. So if I do something and it goes wrong, it is an opportunity for me to post about it. It's an opportunity for me to share and again, be transparent with my community. Mm-hmm. And then everything that I post has to look nice because it's part of what I do in design. So those are the four core values. It has to be represented in the way I speak, in my interviews, in my posts, in my newsletter, and in the way I dress, the way I speak, my career, everything. And then so once you identify your core values, the other thing you need to understand is your tone. Because those four values can be represented in different tones. In my case, I am very like joyful. I have a little bit of innocence to my personality and I'm very like positive. And so everything that I do has to have that tone. Even if I'm going to say something sad, I need to find a way that in somehow that gives people hope or uplifts them in some way one way or another and you do it so well just who you are comes shining through every post every picture every video your book it's it is all those things and it's clear that those are your values because it's so obvious from from the way that you write and the way that you choose your words it's so consistent and i love that you were able to just help us understand what that looks like on the inside and i want to ask you now because For people who don't know, this led to the creation of a social movement. I believe you've reached over 70 million people worldwide with Hello Fears. Is that true? Yeah, probably even more at this point because videos on Facebook went just so viral. And so like Ashton Kutcher was sharing my video on Facebook and Sofia Vergara and Zoe de Chanel and even Lil Wayne was sharing this video. Oh my God. It's amazing. So millions and millions and millions of people have joined this movement. Tell us what that was at the seed of it. Like what was the bridge from the project to the movement? What happened? How did you do that? What was the catalyst for you seeing that that worked? Wow. So I think that a lot of people were watching this at the beginning for entertainment purposes. And then at the end of the project, because the project was called 100 Days Without Fear. Uh, After the day 100th, this was over. I had the huge challenge to figure out what to do with this. It it was only a project. It was not really a movement. And so that was a huge like transition. And what do I want to do now? Because I definitely don't want to continue facing one fear a day and recording myself. Like that was taking a huge toll on me. I was ready to move on to the next phase. And so I started to study fear and not really in like books or school at all. 
it was trying to understand behavior, human behavior, and starting with me, like starting to understand what the heck I just did. I faced 100, what? You know, what does that mean that I faced 100 fears? And, and how is that transforming me? And how is that? And through a lot of these interviews, like the one we're doing right now, I was being asked these hard questions. And at the beginning, if you listen to my first interviews, I was doing a mess because I had no idea how to answer that, those. I mean, I was facing my fears, but I was not really getting in deep into the understanding of my behavior and how that was changing. And so I just spent the next year trying to understand that better. And I do it through my talks because I was already started to speak at companies and in order to create a talk that resonates with people and that generates impact and action, I had to say things that people can relate to and that, and tools that are empowering enough that they can apply to their own life. So basically I, I was already living the challenge of, you know, communicating what I was experiencing with people and that was the catalyst. So I lost a lot of followers along the way because they were there for the action. They were there for the entertainment and I was not going to entertain them even more, like, you know, more than that. I was now going to be talking about real topics and I was going to challenge them to go outside of their comfort zone to achieve the life that they've always envisioned, but they never had the courage to pursue. Mm. So for example, I would talk about divorce, like harder topics, you know, like having honest conversations and confrontation and, you know, define the status quo and disappointing people that you care about. So those were the topics that I was more interested in versus a project that was more about let's do skydiving and let's learn how to fly a plane and all these other more physical things that really they're not life-changing. That's what I still do today. I talk about hard topics and how I do them, how I deal with fear on the day-to-day and hopefully that inspires the people that follow me to do the same. Yeah. I love this conversation, but let's just take a moment to thank our sponsor. The way we work together seemingly changed overnight. If there's one thing we've learned, it's that having access to the right resources is essential and we need to have a strong digital presence. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. We use Fiverr to hire a graphic designer and it was so easy. Fiverr's platform let us customize our search by service, deadline, price, seller reviews. And since we knew the cost up front, we didn't have to spend extra time negotiating. The graphic designer was really responsive and used our feedback to make an awesome graphic that we probably wouldn't have been able to create on our own. So whether you're launching your first business or scaling your current business, you need extra support on a project, or maybe you're trying to digitally optimize your business, Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent is here to help. Their freelancers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world, and you get 24-7 customer service. You can reach out with questions anytime, anywhere. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code DREAMJOB. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code DREAMJOB. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code DREAMJOB. Let's talk about your book. Let's talk about this awesome, awesome book. Hello Fears, Crush Your Comfort Zone and Become Who You're Meant to Be. I mean, how could it be more important? Let's talk about what is the ultimate thing you wanted people to walk away with having read this book? Great question. So I want them to choose growth over comfort consistently on their day-to-day in every decision that they make. That is 
the whole goal of my book. And it's so easy to say, but you actually need to read it in order to understand what I mean. But it all starts with me understanding that the enemy of success is not failure. So a lot of people are afraid to fail. I don't even have that fear anymore because I realize that the only time we fail is the time we fail to try. Whenever we do something, whenever we take action, we take a risk, even if it goes wrong, like in an unexpected way or not what we wanted, that I don't call it failing. I just call it learning, which is something that, you know, we've been hearing for the last years. But um, I was able to understand that the real enemy of success is comfort. The time that you choose comfort, that you, you choose not to raise your hand to suggest a big idea, the time that you decide to stay with a partner that you no longer love or in a city or in a place, a, a job that you can't get much out of, you are choosing comfort. And that is the enemy of success. You will never find success, which is so personal. Also, the definition of success, right? So according to you, what is success, right? And then choosing growth and growth is about taking action and life will always give us options. Some will take us back into our comfort zones. Others will challenge us, but help us grow. So it's a matter of choosing growth despite the fear that it may bring. And that's the best way to tell them apart. Growth is most of the times the scariest option. Mm-hmm. So that is the main thing I want people to take away. I have tools, I have stories, I have so many ways to express this uh, throughout the book. I tackle 10 different fears in the 10 different chapters that I have, but definitely the most important chapter in there is chapter seven, which is the one about growth over comfort. Oh, so great. So important. Tell me about overcoming this feeling of, I don't want to fail. Because oftentimes when I talk to people, you're right, it's the comfort zone. That's what the problem is because we're so afraid of looking stupid. We're so afraid other people will say, we're so afraid of failing. So often it's not that people have a business problem or a marketing problem. It's a fear of rejection problem. And Mm -hmm. it stops people from trying things, from doing things, because it all comes down to courage. You're going to have to have the courage to be messy, to try something you don't know, to ask somebody a question, to make a beta version of this product or this blog or whatever. And we're so afraid someone won't like it. I'm not qualified. How do we overcome those feelings? With ambition. I would say, allow your ambition to be greater than your fears. I've seen, you know, the most successful people that I've known, it's because it's not that they don't have fears in the same way that I still have so many fears. Even though I faced 100 of those, I have thousands of fears. And new fears, like they, you know, arrive to my life every single day. So I'm welcoming fear every single day, Uh, mostly being an entrepreneur and now leading a movement and all of that. But I know that my ambition is greater than my fear. I want to get where I want to get more than I fear it. I made this promise to myself. I said, I will never allow fear to get in the way of my dreams. It's a commitment that I made and I've been able to honor that commitment ever since. So for the last four years, I've been, well, actually five years. You know that today, okay, the day we're recording this podcast, five years ago is the first day that I faced my fears, that I decided to do the project. That's amazing. Wow. So cool. And look what it's done. You know, look what your courage has done and what courage it's lit in other people and that and the ripple effects of that. You couldn't even measure it. It's just incredible. So 
when you say that, I think it sounds so great, but a lot of people are like, nope, not going to work. My ambition is not bigger than my fear. Nope. What does that mean? I mean, I think for a lot of people that they haven't experienced that confidence yet around any of it. So their fear is definitely bigger. And that's just the way it seems like it will always be. How do we make our ambition bigger? What kind of exercises, what kinds of things convince us that that's even possible? Okay, so I'm going to share with you one of the best tools that I have. It's the one thing that people, after hearing me speak, it's the one thing they walk away with. And years later, they tell me that that line, that question changed their life, their approach to fear, and really um, encouraged them to take action towards the direction of their dreams. So it all starts with a very common question that we've all asked ourselves or someone else in the past before, which is when you hear someone that is about to do something that's scary and you want to encourage that person to go for it, you ask them, what's the worst that could happen, right? It's a very common question. And I think that question is so wrong because when you ask someone that, what's the Mm -hmm. worst that could happen? Only negative thoughts can come to your head, right? You're thinking about the worst and and it's a well-intended question, right? You just want to help out. You're like, think about it. You're not going to die from this, right? What's the worst that could happen? But other things that are negative can happen beyond dying, right? You can get rejected. You can hurt your ego. You can hurt your confidence. So many things can go wrong if we dare to try. And so I decided to reframe that question. And I started asking myself, what's the best that can happen? Mm Because when you ask that question, only positive thoughts can come to your mind. And those positive thoughts are the real reason why you decided in the first place to take that risk. Mm -hmm. So when we're about to face a fear, all of those negative thoughts pop into our head, telling us things like, don't do it, you will regret it. Who do you think you are? You're not good enough. Mm -hmm. But when we ask ourselves, what's the best that can happen if we do this? Just for one second, have that question in your mind and try to, you know, answer it. That's when, so powerful. Right? When you think about one thing that you have in your mind that you're like, I should do this, but no, I'm, I don't have the courage. And then you ask, what's the best that can happen? And then you imagine the best case scenario. Oh, yeah. And, which is a possibility. Actually, I am 100% sure that you have more chances of getting it right than to getting it wrong. You know, like they say that 80% or 90% of our worries never come true. I believe that. So we spend too much time worrying. We make too many decisions based on the worst case scenario when the best case scenario is even more likely to happen. Uh, That's so cool. Have you seen examples of this from your community? I'm sure you have gotten letters when people go ahead and face their fears. Have you had any good stories to share around people who've done it and they came out on the other side better than they thought they would? I have so many stories. All right, so... One follower wrote me a message one time. She said, I want to face a very big fear and I want your help. And normally I don't help people one-on-one because I don't have time to do that. But this one person, she got my attention somehow. And I was like, okay, let's get on a Zoom call. So we were on the Zoom call and she was looking at me. I was looking at her through camera and suddenly she took off her hair. Turns out... She was wearing a wig Mm. and she said during my entire life, she was 30 years old. I've been wearing a wig and nobody knows because I don't Uh, have hair. Yeah. She's like, I lost my hair when I was a teenager, like early in my early teenage years. 
And I never told anybody. And I, you know, work at an office with a lot of people. I have a lot oh of my friends. God. Yeah. Nobody knows this. And she's like, since I started following you, I've had that question in my head. What's the best that can happen? And yeah. I was like, what is the best that you would want to happen? And she's like, I don't ever want to wear this again. I hate wearing a wig. I, I just wish the whole world knew. I just wish that they could see me as I see myself. And I was like, how do you see yourself? Like when you don't have your wig at home, how do you see yourself? And she's married and everything. And she's like, I feel beautiful, actually. And I was like, that's all you need. With that answer that she already feels beautiful, she doesn't need the approval of anybody. She already has her own approval and her husband's, which is so nice. And so I helped her work through that fear and reveal it to the world. So wow. she did a series of stories on her Instagram. No way. Wow. Yeah, where in every frame she was, you know, approaching her hand towards her hair and little by little she was pulling off the wig um until she had no hair and then she's like surprise i don't she told me that that day she threw away her wig forever and she doesn't even know where it is (laughs) gorgeous yeah it's been two years since that moment and now she's a very close friend to me like we became very close friends after that I'm so impressed. That's beautiful. You took away so much of the shame she was carrying for no reason. Right. There's no she reason. Said, so exhausting to carry that kind of uh, feeling around. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, terrible. The way she describes this is that she now feels free. And I think that applies of to everything. Of course. Everything, every fear that we are carrying with us for years and years, once you are able to let go of that, mm-hmm. then you finally feel free. And, you know, people ask me like, why hello fears instead of goodbye fears, right? We should say goodbye to our fears. And I yeah. thought about it. And then I'm like, when you say goodbye to someone, you're giving your back. It's like you're ignoring them. You're like, bye, you're kicking out of your life. This is not about kicking yeah. fear out of your life because that's yeah. literally impossible. Fear yeah. will, will always be there. It's about embracing those fears, saying hello, knocking on their door, yeah. and being open to, to them. Yeah, I love it because it's like, no, let's head right on straight down the barrel. Let's go right into it instead of walking away from it because that, yeah. that's it. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um you talk a lot about growth and in one of the chapters, like overcoming the WTF, like who the hell am I to be on this stage, you know, and stepping forward into that. And you talk about that in your Instagram feed a lot, imposter syndrome, or one of your posts is like, am I even worthy of having imposter syndrome? Like, who am I to even think that thought? So that's something I see continuously. What's one thing that you have to share that you think helps people to overcome imposter syndrome? Ooh, okay. I have a, a few things that I like to tell people. Okay. Mostly when they are exposing themselves, maybe on social media. Sure. And they want to talk about a certain topic that they're very passionate about, but they feel like an imposter because they know that there are other people that exactly. might be more qualified right. to talk about it. For yep. example, someone that is passionate about nutrition, but she didn't necessarily study that, but she is doing a great job with herself and all of her friends call her to ask her yeah. about nutrition or how to take care of their bodies more, what to eat, all of those things. And so if that person wants to start sharing on Instagram, their content, they're like, no, I didn't go to school for that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Qualified. And so you convince yourself that you're not good enough. But my advice would be this. If you know more 
than a group of people, you are qualified to talk about that because there will be a group of people that want to learn from you. And the most important thing here is to say it in your voice, right? Not as if you're an expert, but as if you're a human being who is using all of these tools that you're sharing and it's working. And so your vocabulary when you share these things is really important. So instead of saying, this is the best way to do this, I would always say this is my way of doing this because no one can argue what is the best way for you, like what works for you, you know, but they can always argue what's the best way of doing something. So talk about experience in every single piece of content that you do that will make you feel less like an imposter because you don't want to pretend that you know it all because you don't, nobody does, but you can talk about your own experience in your own voice and engage with people that way. For example, my husband, he is a financial planner. So he studied finance in school. He worked in finance and then he quit his job to join me full-time as my manager. And so he was working with me for two years on developing my brand, Hello Fears, and developing this speaking career. And then one day we were like, but who are you? Like, who is Adam? You know, like, you're not just there with me. You have your whole personality. What is your brand? So his brand is around finance, of course, but he's passionate about helping people have a better understanding of their personal finance. So we started an Instagram account for him. And it's funny because the first post that he wrote, it was all like, trying to sound like other every other financial planner out there, you know, like very serious, very, and I was like, that's not you. I want you to write this post as if you're telling this information to your best friend. How would you say it? And then he wrote it with a whole different tone. And he was like, I don't know, are you sure I'm talking about finance here, which is a serious topic. And I'm like, oh, that is exactly why I think you're onto something here. Because no one is talking about finance in such colloquial way, in such like friendly way. And so he started posting that content out there and he built an audience of over 28,000 people by having that kind of tone, by talking about such serious matter, finance, as if he is just talking to his best friend all the time in a very like, you know, easy way to understand. And people are so thankful that finally they understand finance because of him. And his accountant is, is in Spanish because that's his native language, like mine, but he decided to, you know, really double down on himself and his voice. Wow. And I agree so much. And I think it's so clear what you just said. Like, as long as there's a group of people who can learn something from you, why would you not share it? And I love this idea of like, the more casual it is, you might actually be helping so many people. I think it comes down to deeply people don't feel worthy and we want to be loved and we feel like maybe we're not lovable and we want to be enough and we feel like we're not enough. And when we don't feel like we're worthy and we don't feel like we're enough, it's hard to get the energy to do very much. How do you feel people overcome that? So there's an exercise that I love and it's called I'm Remarkable Because. This is not something I created. I learned this exercise when I presented at Google and someone else shared this exercise and I've been using it in my presentations ever since. Mm -hmm. So whenever I present life, I make people write down a list of the things that make them remarkable. And I don't want them to write down those 
accomplishments that only happen once in a lifetime. Like I won an Oscar, you know, or things like that. I mean, those are great. But I want them to write down the things that make them feel proud of themselves on the day to day. So everybody hearing this, just grab a piece of paper or on your phone. I like to have it on my phone, on your notes app and, and write down, I'm remarkable because, and start writing as many things as you can in there. And it will be hard and it will feel um, comfortable because we're not used to asking ourselves that question. We're always bringing ourselves down. We're always reminding ourselves that we're not good enough. And we're always comparing ourselves to other people, people that we consider better than we are. And so it is really important that we do this exercise. We have to write down at least 10 things in there, things that make you remarkable. And it could be things as easy as I'm remarkable because I'm a good daughter. I call my mom every day or because I cook healthy meals for my family or because I show up for myself or for others. What are those daily things that you do that are worthy and that make you feel proud of yourself? And that's the first step. The second step is to have the courage to read this list to someone else. So I do this on my presentations, like during the presentation, I give them two more minutes for them to read the list out loud to the person sitting right next to them. And in that moment, they hate me. They're like, no. Oh, yeah. To do that. It's embarrassing. Yes, yeah. So embarrassing. So the, the initial feeling is like they hate me for, for asking them to do that. But after they read their list out loud they realize that that's actually who they are. They are that person. They're not lying. They, they didn't know they had to share this with other people. So they were literally not lying to themselves. And so after reading it, they realize that it feels good to say these things out loud and they feel proud of themselves. And so they start getting a little bit more confident about who they are and sharing it with the world. And then, and I always ask them at the beginning, how, was, how did you feel writing those things down? And they're like, embarrassing, you know, like I'm bragging about myself. It feels uncomfortable. And then I'm like, how did you feel saying them out loud? And they're like, I actually felt really good. So good is the normal feeling that I get. People feel proud of themselves at that point. And then I want to take that to the next level, which is I want them to, when they go home or now that you're home, um, ask your spouse, your mom, your sister, your best friend, ask them, what is one thing that they think makes you remarkable? Because sometimes we wear our attributes on our back and everybody can see them but ourselves. So it is important that we know what other people around us think of us. What are some of the things that makes us remarkable and we didn't even know? And so also add those to your list and ask them the question before you read your list to them. Yeah, that's awesome. One final thing I want to touch on. There's so many beautiful pieces of the book, but one final thing that I love is in chapter nine, you talk about not sabotaging your way to success. Hello, success. How to not self-sabotage. What does that mean to you? Why did you include that? And how can we look out for that? So dad, I think I'm talking right there to the perfectionist. So I'm not a perfectionist myself. I love to create content and put it out there. And like I said, my ambition is way too big to allow my fears to get in the way of it. So, but I live with a perfectionist. So I've learned a lot from that. And I see that a lot of people right before launching something, they decide not to do it. And it's their perfectionist self talking, telling them that it is not there yet. That is not good enough. And so I feel like so many 
people stop themselves right before achieving the life they want or the success they at least think they want for themselves. So the first thing I ask them to do in that chapter, Hello Success, is to identify what is your definition of success. Because for some people, it's about fame and money and followers, but for other people, it's about balance and health and good relationships with your family and the people you love. So it is so important that first you define what success is for you because we've been living with a definition of success in our heads that it doesn't apply to everybody. Um, so that's the first thing. You don't want to pursue something. And then once you achieve it, you realize it doesn't bring you any joy. So you wasted a lot of time. Maybe you were pursuing your parents' definition of success or your spouses or your kids, whoever it is. So that's the first thing. And then... It's a matter of the imposter syndrome getting in the way, right? Which is our perfectionist self that prevents us from actually launching. So I share a few tips like I was sharing right here. Like, uh, it's okay if you know more than a few people. So uh -huh. it's all of these beliefs that help bring down the imposter syndrome and the perfectionist self that you have inside of you and actually encourage you to launch your idea. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love it. Oh, so good. You're putting so much beautiful, beautiful work in the world. Thank you for doing that. Tell us where we can buy your book. Tell us where we can find you. Thank you so much. So if you want to order this beautiful book, it's full of color and it's exercises. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Uh, so the Unremarkable Exercise is in there. So many other exercises that help me get me where I am are there. So you have to go to hellofearsbook.com to order it. And then you can find all of my content at hellofears on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much for everything you've been doing. And thank you for coming on and being so generous and sharing it all with us. No, thank you. This was a pleasure. That was so much fun. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, fear isn't a bad sign. It's telling you that this is a time to grow, that something good and positive can come out of discomfort. Number two, courage is contagious. Lead by example, especially when it's hard. Number three, if you want to connect with people and be a real brand, don't aim for perfection. Be your vulnerable self. Embrace the good and the bad. Number four, choose growth over comfort every day, despite the fear it might bring. Number five, the enemy of success is not failure. The real enemy is comfort. The only time we fail is when we fail to try. Number six, don't ask what's the worst that could happen. Reframe the question and ask yourself what's the best that can happen. Number seven, there's always a group of people who can learn from you. Don't try to be an expert. Talk about your experience in your own voice. And number eight, write down a list of things that make you remarkable. Ask people you know what makes you remarkable. You become more confident in who you are. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that you are so busy. The next few episodes are just so incredible. You have to go subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because it is totally free. And next episode is going to be the incredible Seth Godin. And then Matthew McConaughey is up next. So if you don't want to miss these episodes, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because it is so worth it. And before I go, I just want to know, did you learn something from today's episode? Is there someone you know who needs to hear this? If the answer is yes then you must share it. Share the episode, text it, email it, post about it on Instagram and tag someone who could use it. And then tag me at kathy.heller so I can repost it. I love you. I'll leave you with a song and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. So many times I chose to run. So many times I held my tongue. I held my tongue. Never saying what I
soldier.